Hi and welcome to the Expansive Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm one half of the Expansive Podcast. I'm a speaker and an executive coach. And as always, I'm joined by my ever-elegant co-host, soon-to-be neighbor, uh, keynote speaker, future strategist, author, new book coming out very soon, Mr. John Sane. John, how are you doing, brother? What's up? What's up? Brand new neighbor. Everybody, congratulations is in order for Eric, who has now gotten a home in Cape Town. Uh, a little bit yeah. like Somerset West is a bit far from Seapoint, but still mm. much closer than where you are right now. Uh, you will be delighted with sunsets, fresh air, and good wine. Uh, which you're already sipping on as you're doing this podcast. So congratulations to you, Eric. <laughs> I'm a Capetonian, so I have to do these things now, you know? Yes. You, you, you were saying you're going to induce me into the culture. So yeah, yeah, I'll do my uh, best. This is step one. Yeah, step one, step one. So every week we release a new episode about what it means for individuals and organizations to approach the future with an expansive mind. And we would love for you to join us as we challenge the status quo, as we bant about life and expand our perception of what is possible. Uh, the past two weeks, we've spoken about uh, thinking big, about expanding uh, your goals, about the way that you approach the challenges in your life. And today, we're going to continue down that same vein a little bit. We're going to be speaking about productivity. But before we get to that, uh, obviously, we always keep a close eye on what's happening in the news. John, what have you been uh, looking at lately? What's been interesting to you? Well, there's so much going on out there. There seems to be both sort of such tough things that are going on out there with so much sort of implosion of many structures, but there's also some really exciting things that's bubbling up as well. Um, this latest thing with Facebook and Ray-Ban doing a partnership mm. around the glasses and watching the world as we're going through uh, the sort of living everyday life and filming things as they're going along. And I think a lot of people are upset about this i don't see it like that you know I, I i think that privacy has changed i think that what we share and what we're comfortable to share has really shifted in a major way if you think about the younger generation they live on snapchat they live on tiktok every part of their day is being shared so you know the privacy but the privacy issue is changing and uh, mm. i'm interested to see where this goes because i also think the idea that we have our fingers and a phone using those two like sort of systems to communicate with each other is going to be really dated in the next 10 years. We'll think to ourselves, how did we ever carry around something? And then also using our fingers to type emails, what a slow and ludicrous process. So I think this mm. glasses is interesting because it's opening us up to the metaverse. It's opening us up to sharing more. And, you know, I mean, I think it was Will Smith who said, Racism hasn't changed. We've just started filming it. And I imagine how many more things, and that was actually talking about the cops and all the things that are going on there in the States, uh, which is just such a shit show, but that's a whole other story. But, but I wonder how much more things will start getting recorded and how many more things will start becoming aware of because of these things. What are your thoughts on these things? Yeah, I'm, I'm torn. I'm like, I'm not quite sure how mainstream it'll become. Like, obviously, we've had this experiment done before in Google Glass form, and it didn't pan out all that well. Probably a big part of that was the fact that their tech was just ugly. You know, people didn't want to wear that. Like, you look like an idiot if you were wearing Google Glass. Whereas, like, the collaboration with Ray-Ban is quite smart because you bring, you, you piggybacking off a brand that is very well established in the fashion space. So, so they might have more of an adoption. Like, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the, how the use case is going to play out. Like, I, I, I don't really see it yet. Like, if you look at TikTok, for example, you know, it's it's all about entertainment. 
like just filming things as you go through your day, like that's not going to be entertaining to people. Like, so I'm, I'm still torn about the use case for it. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I don't think you'll have a constant streaming of your day, but yeah. I imagine that you would be able to capture more of your day, which then gives you an opportunity to edit differently. I imagine that we'll start having sort of different editing suites and things that will go directly from your glasses and put into video. And I think it's mm. going to be a lot smarter as far as editing it. But look, I'm always an optimist and I'm always excited about would these you wear things. It? Uh, absolutely. Yes, I would. Yeah. I and would. you'd record. What, what would you record with it? I have no idea. My day, I guess. Like I'm, I mean, I don't even know, but I, I want to experiment with it and play around with it. Now, yeah. if I had children and there were some perverts around, yes, I'd feel uncomfortable. Or if yeah. I was a dodgy person and I was doing some dodgy things, then I would be uncomfortable with it. But I don't have any of those things. So for me, I'm like, yeah, let's try and see what happens mm. and, and, and how it pans out. And I wear glasses anyway. Yeah. So to a add cool that use case for us could be if you're on stage mm. and uh, you are streaming what you are seeing from the stage. Ah, I guess that's that's, that's one way of thinking about it, right? Like it's yeah. a different point of view yes. that people don't necessarily get to see. So that I, I could see the use case there, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I guess yeah. I mean, look, cool. uh, it's all brand new, and don't forget that Google Glass was back in many many years ago, very, and technology very, uh, is always like that. that. It always starts off very like chunky and boring and like like doesn't really work and then everything improves and gets faster and quicker and you know mm. cheaper and so this is what's happening here you know it's evolving mm. but yeah you know, i also think let's not forget you know phones will become ridiculous in the next few years we'll think about phones yeah. as like geez we used to carry these things around with us what a ridiculous thing yeah. so we must also understand the evolvement of screens went from cinemas to tvs to ipads to cell phones to glasses to um lenses to neuros, neurolinks. I mean, it's it's the evolvement of it. And so we must embrace it mm. because, I mean, well, you can't mm. slow it down. And also, let's not forget, you know, your, your Goldilocks porridge is not always the perfect temperature when you've experienced it. It's a constantly moving temperature. And I, look, mm. again, as somebody who's always like optimistic and, and, and uh, an early adopter, I'm always keen to try these things. But let's see how mm. it pans out and uh, let's see how it uh, evolves. There's another mm. story that caught my eye, Eric. I mean, do you have anything else to say on that? Go for yours and I'll tell you mine. Um, look, I, I, there's one thing that I don't like about the glasses. Let me just say it's the Mark Zuckerberg factor. I don't like him, man. He's a, he's a, he's just not a cool guy. And, and, and he just keeps proving us right that he's just a liar and he's just, just not a cool guy. And that's the only thing that I have like an issue with. You know, I was listening to a podcast this morning and the guy, he, he does a podcast called Hardcore History. Dan Carlisle. Colin, yeah. Yeah, very cool guy. And he's like, he does do nothing with Facebook. Anything to do with Facebook, he doesn't touch it. And I was like, yeah, man, on a value system, I agree with that. You know, I really do. But yeah, here we are. Anyway, next story. We are starting to see the growth of fake meat or however you want to call it. And the realness of the product is improving uh, by leaps and bounds. And mm. we are actually getting quite healthy options that are being uh, grown in labs or made out of plants. And I'm really excited about this. You know, I'm an animal lover and I understand that people need meat in life and also love the taste of meat and that's all cool. But I don't want to hurt animals. And um, ultimately... It hurts me when I when I when I think about the pain that they could be feeling. So, we've just seen Burger King now introducing a whole range of vegan and vegetarian patties in South Africa, which is quite a big step because you know South Africa is a big eat, meat eating country, mm. and uh, we're getting more and more of like chicken that's now fake and um, 
And obviously the milk scenario has been now for quite a while. And so slowly but surely, I'm really happy that we're starting to evolve into a process where there's options for us to choose and they become as good and if not healthier and cheaper and less footprints on the earth. And soon enough, it'll just make more sense for us to try these out and not be freaked out about them. And one point on this. Do you remember the very first time you ate sushi, Eric? I, uh, yeah. I, mean, I just I, think I've you remember. I eat vegan sushi, like from the start, because oh. I don't eat fish. Yeah. Oh, don't you? Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so mm. I remember eating sushi for the very first time it was a long time ago. I don't know, like 1998 or something. And I remember how weird eating raw fish, like it was the first, like what? Eating raw fish? Now sushi is normal. Like it's everywhere. Mm. Um, it's just the same thing, you know, when we think about these things. Initially, you're like, what? And then eventually you're like, oh, okay, that's just part and parcel of what the story is. And so I'm very happy about that. And congratulations to Burger King for expanding into this. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it grows. Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting um, industry, the fake meat industry, because it's kind of weird that they're trying to to recreate the meat. Like it, it's like in our brains, you can't just switch to plant. You need to switch to a plant that looks like beef or looks like chicken. Well, it's like memories. They, they need to Eric. be the familiarity. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. Mm. I mean, if you had a kid that uh, never ate meat ever, that there would no need to do that because there would be no yeah. point of reference. Mm. And so it's really about giving people a convenient, cheaper, and as tasty uh, option. And if you listen to any mm. of the interviews from Burger, not Burger King, Beyond Meat and Impossible Meat, they both say they want to create actually a better product than meat. And mm. so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting space to look at. Uh, listen, I wanted to get into the, the topic for the day, but um, a quick thing that I saw this week that I thought was really interesting is that they were saying that the, the spyware or the bossware industry um, is going to reach $4.5 billion in turnover by 2026, meaning that the, the companies who are playing in the space where they are monitoring employees at work is becoming larger and larger. 12% growth year on year is what they're expecting for it over the next few years. Wow. And, and it's insanity, dude. Like when you go look at those programs, like they monitor everything from like your keystrokes to wow. which programs you are logged into. Some of them even take pictures of you through your webcam to show that you are working and at your desk. And then the companies say, no, no, like it's not about spying on you. It's about people want to feel like they're together. So like what you can actually do through this program, one program, is you can have a big board, some centralized location, and it shows who's at their computers or not. And so the company says, or the, the, you know, the software developer says, no, it's about showing unity and togetherness. But yeah. really all it is is to make sure that you are yeah. with your ass on the seat doing yeah. the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and it's yeah. insane, dude. It's going, I mean, 4.5 billion in the next couple of years. That's what it's going to grow to. I they could call it bossware. How, I, how <laughs> I could not imagine anything worse. I could not. Jeez. I'd rather not. I'd rather not work there. I'd, you keep your money. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Keep your money. So, I think what we're going to see a lot of in time to come is that leaders are going to have to do a ton of internal work to make sure that they don't project their insecurities onto their teams, and that leads to them not trusting themselves to lead in the digital environment, and therefore they. Uh, if they don't trust themselves, they're not going to trust their people. And so they're just going to project that onto them and they're going to find ways like tattleware, et cetera, to make sure that people stay productive. So it's going to be really important that leaders do a lot of internal work and also that they understand how to, to build trust in a digital environment. 
Well, look, I, I mean, yes, I agree. And I think that's very much part and parcel of your work around modern teams. And I mean, you're a specialist in this. You've written a couple books on these things. Um, but remember that the world is splitting in two in a very major way. You have the digital dictatorships, both in governmental situations as well as corporates. And then you have the blockchain democracies, both in corporations and in um, governments. And so if you think about a company like uh, WordPress, they are a blockchain sort of decentralized setup. They've got a very different way of thinking about work. And then you have other organizations that have dictatorship sort of styles. And uh, this is their tool that they're expressing. So, yes, a 4.5 billion growth. Yes, uh, those sort of companies are there. But let's not forget, there's also other companies that are growing where they're growing differently. And as mm. an employee, if you are an employee, be very clear of what sort of company you want to work for and become very intentional about what sort of culture you want to go into. And if you are not, guess what you'll be given? This. Because you're bland about your projections and bland about your intentions. Yeah. And so you'll get this sort of setup. So, geez, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I could think of nothing, absolutely nothing worse. But uh, good luck to people out there in living those lives. Uh, I kid. wish you yeah. not to have that experience. So with that said, and uh, talking about productivity, uh, let's talk about productivity. Yes. What do you have for us? Well, look, I mean, I, for me, it was really such a spark listening to um, Charles Duhigg's new book, uh, Better, Faster, Smarter, or Smarter, Better, Faster, or whatever it is. Mm. And he was doing an interview around um, productivity and around yep. what he's discovered. And what he has discovered I, is I listened that, to that. It was on Jordan Hobbinger's show. Yes, that's it. That's exactly yeah, yeah, the one yeah. I listened to. I listened to it as well. Yeah. And and what he was saying was that success sucked because all he was doing is grafting his butt off and missing all his kids' lives. And like he, he wanted to have success. And then he had a New York Times bestseller and a series for New York Times. And he just wasn't seeing his family, just running up an email. So then he started thinking, well, there must be more to try and figure mm. out what it feels like to be successful and productive and have your own time. So he's written this book about it. And I thought he just shared some really smart nuances and something that I think is important to share as well. But also I was really interested in the fact that he's brought law of attraction into his work, but guising it under corporate uh, productivity. And mm. I thought that was quite a link because if you ever listen to any of the work from Abraham or Esther and, Esther and Jerry Hicks or any of these sort of law of attraction channel channels or any of these sort of hippie-ish ideologies from 20, 30 years ago, all of a sudden now they're mainstream and they're corporatized, right? So here's the first thing that I really liked what he said. He said that what we need to do is we need to rehearse and visualize the day ahead. And the example he used was the Qantas um, pilots. They had an incredibly uh, bad uh, engine failure. And one of the, the sort of propellers or jets uh, lost, um, I don't know, lost, lost its, uh, um, it wasn't connected to the wing anymore. And so it lost itself and then it shredded the wing. And it was a really dangerous time or, or, or situation. And they were up in the air. And he said, what was amazing is when you listen to the voices of the pilots speaking to each other and speaking to the ground, there's an absolute calmness. There's a, a clarity in their, uh, in their voice and tone. And when he started diving deeper into it, he started to realize that they had rehearsed that thousands of times. Mm. And, and I realized, wow, yes, absolutely. And then he went on to say, well, if we rehearse our day ahead 
and we visualize our day ahead, and he says that he takes 10 minutes a day to visualize the day ahead, you then are able to come to a place where you're like, yes, this is what I was expecting. This is how I intended to be responding. And he used Michael Phelps. And Michael Phelps has visualized winning swimming competitions so often for so long that you know what he said? He said it was an anti-climax when he actually won it. He's like, oh, mm. this is why I've already experienced mm. this. It's like boring that I've won it. I mean, he's won eight gold medals in one Olympics, which is like a world record. I don't think anybody else has done that. So what, what I love about this is a couple of things. One, if you think about Joe Dispenza and quantum science and reimagining your day or imagining and intending your day, and then now you have it brought into the Qantas example and now being toyed in it with productivity and rehearsing your day ahead, I thought it was just a wonderful mix of the spiritual quantum productivity combination that we're starting to see here. And one thing that I'll share from my side is that I think the best time to visualize your day is just before you wake up when you're in that half awake half asleep state that's when you're in the theta brain state and that's really when you are creating and projecting the blueprint of your day and your life ahead and that's a wonderful space to think about your day think about what you're wanting to look like think about the meetings you're having and what sort of outcomes you'd like and i'd go even further and even go into segment intention of intentional segmenting in other words, every time you go into a meeting, be intentional about how you want that meeting to, to, to play out. Or every time you're going mm. for dinner, like intend that I want this to be a productive mm. dinner. I want to have incredible conversations. I want to connect. I want to impact. I want to walk away with a business deal. I want to walk away with a future business deal, whatever the case may be. And so it really just starts becoming about visualization, intention, practicing, expectation. And look, we're talking about quantum science, but now we're talking under mm. the guise of productivity. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good things to take away from that. You know, I mean, visualization, apart from it being a lot of attraction oriented, um, we've also known for like many, many, many years that every elite sportsman does it um, because it's it's also mental rehearsal. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that, that you also need to take into account is that we, how do we ingrain new patterns of thinking and doing is that we have to actually do it. Like we have to go through the application process. But you're not going to have that many opportunities in your day to apply it. And so how can you do that? Well, you can apply it mentally. You can sit down, go through the process of visualization, meditation. And that is an application. That is you seeing that in your mind and experiencing it in your mind. And it becomes a, a very real by doing that. The one thing that I would just um, further expand on with what you were saying is that you need to be very clear on what it looks like. You know, and, and I was actually speaking to people about this last night, is that let's say, for example, you want to be someone who's more assertive in your day. It's good to sit down and say, I want to be more assertive, like to have that intention. But it's not good enough. It's not granular enough. And I, that's why I think your, your like segmenting idea is really good. Because what you really want to do is say, what does assertiveness look like? Yes. Which relationship do I need to be more assertive in? Yes. Which interaction today do I need to be more assertive in? And mm. if you can visualize how that plays out before you even get to it, mm. like the likelihood of you actually making a new decision in that moment mm. goes up exponentially. Mm. And that's what it comes down to, right? Like we're visualizing this new way of doing things so that you can make a new decision in the moment instead mm. of falling back onto your old habitual way of doing things. Mm. I like that. Yes. Mm. Specificity. I think yeah. it's key there, you know. 
Okay, good. That's the first thing. Cool. And, and look, uh, it's reminded me again that um, how important it is. And uh, it's got me back on track again, just thinking about these things in a very different way. The second thing that I loved what he said was to move from chores to choices. And we often think that we're stuck. And we often think that we have to do X, Y, and Z, whereas everything is really a choice at the end of the day. Working for a company that's monitoring you nonstop, that's a choice. Mm. You know, you don't have to be there. There are many, many different options out there that you can create. And now without the intentionality and without the visualization, you then do end up at a work or a job that you don't like your boss or you don't like the, the, the environment or you don't like the money you're earning. Now you're being tracked. Well, guess what? It's because you didn't put any intention out. And and mm. for me, my big intention has always been to work with clients that are excited to work with me. And if they're not excited to work for me with me, I think I, I, it's a tough grind, you know, and, and you got to keep proving yourself. And I've got a very good friend who's incredibly talented at what he does, but he gets pushed around by his clients. And it's not because he's not talented. He's just not intent. He's not intentional enough about what mm. sort of clients that he wants to work with. And he gets bullied by them and it gets it gets frustrating to him. He keeps saying that I get treated like a child. And I keep saying to him, it's because you don't go in with such clarity of who do you want to work with? How do you want them to treat you? And so you have a choice. Does he show up like a child? Yes, he does in some ways. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and you have a choice. And I think that's really the most important thing. You have a choice to hang around the people you hang around with. You have a choice, the job that you have. You have a choice, the clients you have. You have a choice to think bigger. You and I chatted about this yesterday of mm. how small some people think, including ourselves and how yeah. we can choose to think differently, expect more. And I think this choice to, ch a chores to choice, um, was refreshing as a reminder for me to bring about more productivity. Because when you think you're stuck in the corner and you're forced to do something, your productivity level's low and, and, and you're feeling low, you're feeling trapped. And when you when you shift that to, well, I do have a choice, it changes your energy around it. And mm. I think that's really important to to take on as, a, um, as an option uh, when you're thinking about your life, your day, your work, your business, whatever it may be. Listen, but it comes back to a core idea that we speak about all the time, which is just taking ownership of your life. And to realize that that ownership extends into every domain of your life. And very often, because we get or put ourselves onto autopilot, we start forgetting that actually we, we have the choice in any situation and that we have to take ownership of that. Like you can't, you can't, you can't abscond that responsibility. You can't outsource it. Um, ultimately, you know, and I think you've said it before, it's like, it's the, it's the greatest privilege that you have is that you get to choose. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard them say something like, uh, when you are, when you are, when you have to do something, instead of saying, I should do it or I need to do it, you should change that to, I get to do it. Mm. Yes. I choose to do that it. Before? Yeah. 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 I like that. You yeah. know, I get to, I mm. get to go for a workout. I don't have to go for a workout. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I mm. get to spend time with my friends. I don't have to go and spend time with my, if you have to. And I think that language even then explains it. If I have to, mm. then you're stuck. You think it's a chore. Yeah. If I get to, I've now made a choice. And all of this is really about expressing our actions based on a freedom to choose or a or a trap that we're in that we have to yeah, choose. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And guess what? You know, we all fall into those traps. It's not like mm. everybody does. And uh, mm. I think it's about snapping yourself out of them as often as possible so that you can realize exactly the incredible mm. 
privilege of choice that we all have every moment of every day. I think it was it was in my last keynote that I, I had. It said, uh, "Tomorrow is one day or day one. Your incredible privilege mm. of choice." Mm. Like it. Third one. Uh, I don't have a third one. Uh, I haven't been that productive, oh. Eric. I'm, 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 I'm done with the productivity uh, of my notes uh, from that. Uh, it was visualize your day. It was from chores to choices. And the ultimate thing here is to enjoy. And if you're not enjoying it, you're feeling trapped. And if you're feeling trapped, you haven't realized you have a choice. Mm. And uh, I think it was like when I did the Iron Man, and, and my friend Stuart said to me that the, the more you smile, the faster you go. And there was a choice, you know, I decided mm. to smile more. I decided to, and it really did help my race in, in such an amazing mm. way, you know. Mm. You know, um, I think a good way to, to kind of end this then is to talk about the fact that having productivity systems and redefining how we do productivity is really important. But we've also seen that productivity in general, I think, has been redefined quite a bit over the past year and a half. Yeah. And, I mean, we've spoken about this as well. Um, I think like we spoke about having moments of deep, intense focus and coming out of that and giving yourself some space to recover, right? Do you remember the language around that? Oh, and moments of stillness. Yes. Wow. So like, I think what we, what, we, what we're also seeing is that lang um, productivity is being redefined. Yeah. And one of the most important things that we can do when it comes to productivity is to really increase your level of self-awareness. Mm. That it's not just about the grind and output and effectiveness like it's also about making sure that you are um enabling that and empowering that yes. by looking after yourself yes and you know i was speaking to danica just like two days ago about this as well because she's been a she's been a beast hey like i mean she's been doing her mba plus like working full-time plus looking after me and the two dogs yeah um i'm glad you said that because i was so, going to say that no, if you hadn't I, I, if you I hadn't brought that it. up i would have brought that up i would have brought that up danica i'm with you i'm with you i'm back to you <laughs> So she's like, your she's husband's like drinking wine. Apparently he's working, but he's drinking wine on yeah. this podcast right now. Oh, wine and chatting to a friend. Like yeah. that's my work. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday at the ocean, drinking wine and chatting yeah, to a friend. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, um, but she was just saying like, you know, she was going into a meeting. She's like, I'm, I'm feeling so low. And I was like, well, yes, of course you are. Like you, you need to understand what that is and not, um, judge yourself too harshly for it mm. and know that sure you'll come out of that again like you go into your meeting you'll be pumped and ready for it but then also have the the kindness and treat yourself gently enough mm. that when you come out of that you don't have to be productive 24 mm. 7 mm. and then give yourself the space just to well to look recover, uh, be, be ready be, for the next bouts you know be be sure that uh, cape town will change that for you my friend <laughs> <laughs> Cape Town's energy is much more chilled, you know. It's, a, it's not as a go 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 as Joburg, but mm, uh, yeah, I'm worried about that. To be honest, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's a different level of productivity. You know, your golf game mm. will get better, thank God, because it's shocking. And um, uh, but the, yeah, the uh, question is: Is this golf going to make me more money? That's the, you know, that's the only question that we need to answer. Well, not at this stage because you're super cuck. So you have to get a lot better. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, of course it'll change. That, that's, that's the one You'll thing that will definitely count, yeah. beat me in golf, mm. Eric. That is no... I won't beat anyone else. Yes, that's fine. Uh, look, why yeah. don't you... Do you want me to play with you just to give you a bit of a boost so that you I'd can like... That. I'd beat, okay, I'd love it. Okay, yeah. let's go. Let's go. I think your clubs are taller than me. So I don't know what we're going to do there. <laughs> Anyway, it's been a great session. Um, these are all the lessons that Eric and I 
sort of ingest uh, throughout the week. And then I think it's a really important thing. This was another part of his, the podcast actually was talking about how in teaching you solidify the learnings. And I think this mm-hmm. podcast really does that for both Eric and I. And uh, thank you so much for joining us as we go through our own process of learning, our own process of evolving and expanding. And uh, always wonderful to have everybody along with us on this ride. Thank you for everybody sharing this podcast, sending us messages, um, and just really making it such a joy for us to be impacting so many different people all around the world. We really appreciate your your support. And uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it with somebody in your organization or with a friend. And please look after yourself. It is not an easy time out there. And once you've finished looking after yourself, please do go and look after somebody else. Thank you. Goodbye. Ciao.